Jesus spent six hours on the cross and made seven statements. The first three were statements of compassion for other people. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He had compassion on his enemies. Jesus taught us to love our enemies, and while he was being crucified, he had compassion on them. And then to a sinner next to him, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. On the cross was an example of Jesus thinking of someone else and promising them eternity, even a salvation on the cross. And then he said to his mother, mother, your son, and son, your mother. He was thinking of his responsibility towards his mom. The first three things Jesus says on the cross don't have to do with what he's going through, but other people while he's being crucified. What a great picture this is to us, that when you and I are in the midst of difficulty, that Philippians 2 is still true for us, that we are to put other people's interests above our own interests. And Jesus gave us that great example. Then when it came to the end and Jesus began to die, he made three statements, which could be the most important things that were ever said. And do you know that studies show us now that people are aware when they die, that if you are awake and you're at a point where you can understand the things around you, that you know the difference between, I'm tired, I'm gonna go to sleep, or I feel so bad, I'm just gonna doze off, to actually dying, that you actually know. Jesus knew that he was dying, and when he did, he made these statements. Right before he makes these last three statements, he says something that is very significant. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why would Jesus say such a thing? He was sacrificed in his life. He had foretold that he was gonna go to the cross and die because Jesus here is 100% human. And as we look at the last three things he says, it's important for us to understand that in his humanity, he was on the cross, maybe in shock and even confused. Yes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Points to Psalms chapter 22. And we go there to see more of what Jesus was thinking. For example, Psalms 22, 1 and 2 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night vision, and I'm not silent. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. And so Jesus is wondering, why are you not answering me? I'm calling out to you in the daytime and in the nighttime. It's interesting, there was a supernatural darkness that came over the cross. And Jesus was not getting an answer from God, not yet. We feel the same way when something's going on and we're asking God and it seems like he is silent. Jesus is experiencing everything we are experiencing. And then in Psalms 22, 15 and 16, we even get a better picture. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue clings to my jaw. You have brought me to the dust of death for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. This is a thousand years before the death of Jesus and hundreds of years before the invention of crucifixion. And Jesus speaks of his hands and feet being pierced and knowing that he's coming to the dust of death. But in Psalms 22:21, there's a change and God suddenly answers him. And it says, save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. These would be those that are so violent around him. But then he says, you have answered me. 
God said, call out to me and I will answer you. And God answered him on the cross. What was the answer? The very next verse. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. He would declare the name of God among his brethren, the Jewish people. And he now remembered he was answered. He's dying on the cross for the Jewish brethren. And then in Psalms 22, 27, he sees another group of people. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families and nations shall worship before you. He's not only dying for the Jewish people, but for all the nations around the world. And then in Psalms 22, 30 and 31, an even more amazing statement, a prosperity shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation that they will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this to a people that haven't even been born yet. Jesus is dying for them, for you and me. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 that Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame for the joy that was set before him. Now with this setting in place, let's take a look at these three important things Jesus said before he died. First of all, he said, I thirst, which has a bit of irony. The one who said to the woman at the well, drink of this water and you will never thirst again, said, I thirst. The one who said in the temple, if anybody comes to me and drink, out of them will gush torrents of living water, said, I thirst. In John 19, 28 and 30, it says, after this, Jesus, knowing all things were accomplished, that the scriptures must be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and they filled the sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth. Now, all of this is working to fulfill scripture as well, that God would let us know that this isn't happening to him. Like what a tragedy, Jesus is on the cross and he's thirsty. Listen to Psalms 69, 21. They also gave him gall for my food and for my thirst, they gave him vinegar to drink. Jesus became physically thirsty on the cross so that you and I could have our spiritual thirst met and never thirst again. The next thing Jesus said right before he died was, it is finished. This is the Greek word totelestai, and it means paid in full. He did everything on the cross for salvation to be done, and he knew it. There's nothing more that needs to be added to it. This is one of the main problems with cults. They add to the work of salvation, saying you have to do something to be saved. All you need do is receive the free gift of eternal life and receiving the free gift is not work. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians that we are saved by grace through faith, not of any work, lest anyone should boast. Now, what was finished? What did Jesus mean? It is finished. There were a lot of things that were finished. At this point, the law is finished. Now we are moving into grace. At this point, most of the prophecies about his life are being fulfilled. He will fulfill more. Certainly there are many more prophecies written about him, but about the life that he would live and the sacrifice that he would make, almost all of them are fulfilled. And then there's the work of redemption. That's why he came, to die for our sins. And, and he has done it. Jesus paid the debt for mankind by shedding innocent blood on the cross. When Jesus said it was finished, he was undoubtedly thinking of the work now that when you receive him, you can be saved. Second Corinthians 5, 18 and 19 says, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us a ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. We can say without a shadow of a doubt 
that the greatest work that was ever done was the work that Jesus completed when he said, it is finished. This now brings us to the very last thing Jesus ever said, and that was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Luke 23, 44. Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the earth until the ninth hour. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus knows that the death of his body isn't the end, and it shows us that our death isn't the end. And it's interesting that Stephen, the first martyr, said something very similar. And this in itself, even at his death, he is quoting scripture, Psalms 31.5, into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. And we have this example that we know that when we die, we will continue on. We are immortal. We will live on. In fact, everyone has a life after death. And you need to be willing to say, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And if you're not right with God, make it right with him now so you can say that very thing. The Bible tells us precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints because we enter into the presence of God. Now, three things in closing. Number one, it's okay to question God. Be respectful. But Jesus questioned God and God answered him. You might not always get the answer that you want when you want it, but if you seek him, God will answer you because he's promised that he would. Number two, if any of you thirst, come to Christ. He's the one who can satisfy your thirst. He even became thirsty so your thirst could be satisfied. He died so you didn't have to die. He took your place. Number three, the work of God is finished. Nothing else can be added to it. He has made an open display of the enemies. Someone once said, we are fighting from victory, not for victory. All we've got to do is be in the fight. So be in the fight. And we are so thankful for these things that Jesus said as he embraced his own death.